Uh, it's a question from my coaching group, how to PR on your next 10K. Let's put on the hat for the kit. Sponsors, happy, durandrider.com. Um, shoes. We're going to talk about shoes, nutrition, pacing, mental strategy, warm-up, etc. Let's get the mic in the hand. Now, 10K. This is a question regarding to a 10K trail race, but 10K trail or 10K road or 10K track, it's st- all these rules still apply. All these rules still apply. So we're going to talk about the trail one here. Now, obviously, the trail, the conditions of the trail, all right? What's the conditions going to be like? So then we've got to look at the footwear, because you might wear a track spike, like a Matumbo or whatever, but that's going to be appropriate in a trail setting, is it? So the footwear is going to be based on what conditions we're going to run in. If we're going to be running straight uphill, then a super light racing flat is going to be good. Is it going to be downhill in the mud and the slosh? Then you want to have something that has a lot of cushion for the downhill, so your legs don't get munched up. The more cushioning you have, the less fatigue metabolites you will process through your legs, which means less fatigue, faster times for the same given effort. If your hemoglobin's at 180, we'll get to that later, but if your hemoglobin's at 180 and you're using a cushion shoe on downhill, you can go harder than if you're using like a pure racing flat where you're going to produce more fatigue metabolites and you're going to lose the efficiency of, and the, you know, the efficiency basically because your shoes are too hard. Vice versa, if you're going uphill race, if it's purely uphill, then using a really cushioned shoe, you're going to lose performance because you're going to be going for the, the cushion too much. But something like that, like a racing flat, perfect for uphill, perfect. Mad spring off, minimal cushioning, just pure power to the ground. Propulsion there. Um, so we're going to talk about that. We've got the Alpha Fly here, great road shoe for heavy runners. If you're over 70 kilos, then the Alpha Fly is really good compared to the next percent, which is a really, it's a little bit feeling a little bit faster, a little bit lighter marginally, a little bit less cushioning. This is good for your 5K to the marathon. If you're maybe under 70 kilos aroundabouts, this is your shoe for you. Um, Hocker as well. This is a great all-rounder shoe. I know a lot of ultra marathoners use this shoe, marathon 5K even. It doesn't have much spring, but it's got a pretty good cushion base. It's very similar to the Ultra Paradigm from 2014, the Gen 1. I wish they made these shoes still because these are fantastic. I've been a 247 marathon in these shoes. The cushioning's fantastic. Great thing. I, I hardly run. You know, I run like, I've ran maybe, what's the date today? We're in October 2021. 17th of October here in Australia. 17th of October 2021. And I've ran maybe, maybe 85 kilometers. What's that? 50 miles this year. And yesterday I ran a 1758 sub uh, 18 5k park run. And my 5k PR is 1635 so i'm not like a super gun runner by any means but i can still pull out you know semi recreationally decent times on much not much training because obviously i cross train the bicycle i stay reasonably low body fat and i eat a very high carbohydrate low low fat diet so that's really important the less fat you eat the faster you will go because you one you'll have less body fat to carry less weight faster speed same given effort and your most importantly as well, your red blood cells won't coagulate together as much, so your hemoglobin can really enhance that uptake, transfer, and delivery, and deploy all that oxygen to your working muscles to increase that uh, efficacy of cardiovascular metabolism. Very, very simple stuff. Um, so let's so with shoes. So it depends what you're doing. You know, if, if I was on a 10k trail, I'd go something like a trail shoe with a lot of cushioning. But it depends on the course. You know, if it's if it's dead flat. An alpha fly will be fine. If it's through the mud, then this is going to be better because it's going to have a bit more lugs and stuff like that. Downhill, this is quite a stable wide shoe, so that's good for the downhill. The next percent, very rocky, like you try to turn and it's like you're on a school bus turning. 
So yeah, depends. You got so you got to. And this comes with experience as well, matching your appropriate footwear to the conditions. All right, you're going to go to do that. You know, that just comes with trial and error. And I, I used to work in foot industry, so that was good. But nothing taught me like actually doing these events, doing the marathons, doing the trail marathons, doing the five k, the mile, all these races to work out what's the marginal gains I can deploy to get my best effort for the time I'm running. I'm lazy. I want to go faster for less effort. Why would I want to? You know what I mean? Why would I want to go slower? Like, it's not what you're going to a running race for. We go going there to PR or to beat our friends or to have a bit of fun or just really push ourselves and test us and meet people afterwards, you know. So, and let's talk about, so we're taking care of shoes, you know. I don't know what race you're doing, but I've given you some shoe options there. Brook Screen Silence, great for uphill. Nike Alpha Fly, good for the marathon if you're over 70 kilo. Gen 1 Outer Paradigm, incredible shoe for pretty much anyone. For trail, um, things like that. The hocker, good all-rounder as well. If you're just going to get one shoe, the hocker's not too bad as well. It depends on your body weight and what terrain you're running on. Hopefully that helps. Now, next one's got to be warm-up for 10K. Um, 10K is going to take you between 30 minutes trail. Well, you know, it depends on the trail. It's going to take you between 30 minutes to an hour, most people. And so the warm-up's still going to be important, but not as important for obviously like an 800 or a 5K or a mile TT. I would recommend just going for like a 10 minute casual jog on the course if you can, just so you can feel it out. Ideally, get to the course, do the course. If it's local to you, train on that course purely. You know, Do your recovery runs in the course, do your intervals in the course, do your long runs in the course, out and backs, out and backs. So, so you become so familiar with the corners, the race line, everything. So again, you can deploy the marginal gains tactics to save every second possible. Um, that's what I'd be doing for sure, for sure, for sure. And then uh, you can feel the course. You can just then you can don't have to worry about too much paying attention as much because you know what's coming up. But always pay attention. Um, what was we going to say there? That's what I'd be doing. Warm up, ten at least a ten minute jog, just light. And then uh, maybe at the eight minute mark, you could do just open up a little bit more, maybe at like eighty percent race pace. You know, do some some stretches, whatever works for you. Obviously, do this in training. So you don't, don't do new stretches on race day. <laughs> oh, pull my back. Oh. You know, just do stuff and wear a tracksuit as well, unless it's a really hot hot day. But most running races are held in cold weather. And so I'd put a tracksuit on or just some jeans or a jacket or gloves so you really get a bit of a light sweat up so you, all your endothelium cells can get all juiced up and primed up and soaking wet. And, uh, you know, your breathing muscles, intercostal muscles can like warm up and open up. I did that yesterday to warm up before my 5k. It made such a difference. I actually got there on, got there enough time to do a warm up and wow, my breathing just kicked in in the first k. I could really get that diaphragm expansion, just bellow it out, just bellow out the belly, big gut, just popping out of the oxygen. And I was just maximizing my VO2 max as much as possible because I did the warm up and I could just, and I won the race. You know, I beat the, the younger guys, half my age, who train every day and just bust their guts but they don't deploy the strategies I do. You know? If they did, they'd leave me in the dust. <laughs> leave me in the dust. So, And I love helping. I love when people beat me who've done my protocols. It's like, well, that worked, didn't it? So that's why I'm sharing them here. I'm not one of those people out there who hides the secrets because they don't want people to beat them. I, you beat me, great. Fantastic. Good for you. Yeah, we're part of the team here. Self-improvement team. Uh, so that's the warm-up, at least 10-minute jog with a few strides, at maybe 80 90% race pace. 
and maybe if you're going to do any turnarounds, do a couple of turnarounds, you know, just build it up slowly. You start with a little shuffle. The first minute it's a shuffle, and then second minute, build it up, build it up, build it up. All right? You want to warm up the muscles. Stay warm. And if it's a hot, let's say it's 40 degrees out there, then yeah, you want to stay cool and have a still bit of a warm-up, but you obviously you won't need much warm-up because your core temperature is already higher. And you'll have more, your veins will be vasodilating, you'll have more endothelium action in the hotter weather because the enzyme is just pumping more. Enzymes are pumping more in the heat and the hot weather because that's where we're designed to be. We're hot weather creatures. And what else can we say? That's the warm-up. Nutrition, that's going to be a tough one because it was, does it start at 6 a.m.? Does it start at 6 p.m.? Either way, you're going to, need at least three hours between a meal and the start of your race. If it's just a 10k race, you don't need to eat much, but you still need to have enough glycogen from yesterday and the days before carbohydrate intake that you're not going to bonk out, bonk meaning hitting the wall, running out of glycogen, just being dizzy and fainting and smashing out your teeth and just like embarrassing yourself because you didn't eat enough carbohydrate because you're scared of sugar or whatever. <laughs> it happens every single race. You see people just like, I'll never come and do this again. It's so hard. It's not hard. You just made it harder because you, you fear sugar, you fear carbohydrate, and you've got an eating disorder or something. It's like, you know, every cell in the body runs on sugar. Like, to, run, to, to, to be scared of sugar is an eating disorder. You know, and I've, I've trained thousands of runners with nutrition over the years. It's purely, an, if you're scared of sugar, you have an eating disorder. And the definition of an eating disorder uh, is something that's chewing away at your life. It's impacting your life negatively. Right? Your mood negatively, your performance negatively, your red blood cell count negatively. That's, in my book, definition of an eating disorder. You are losing. Right? You are losing because of this, this nutritional choice. So I'm always a performance-focused person. Life performance, mental performance, physical performance. I like to reverse engineer. Okay, so what makes this person really good at running or, you know, dancing or sex or selling cars and just reverse engineer what they're doing you go, oh, this is this is the recipe here this is the ingredients list if you want to replicate this person this is what you need to do and if you don't want to replicate this person then don't do these things okay so nutrition i'm going to say i'm going to assume the race starts at 8 a.m i'm going to say get out of bed you know depends where you live as well how how far is the commute to get to the race is it you know so there's so many variables here there's so many variables to talk about, but at least three hours between a meal and the start of the race. Most of my running races are the park run events, which are super competitive. Like, they're just so competitive, man. Um, so competitive. There's a bunch of young guys who, who just every week want to, want to beat me. And when they beat me, they're like, yes. When they don't, they're like, Ugh. So super competitive. It's cutthroat. And I love it. We love it. It's great. It's a good push out. Let, I rate the park runs highly. Uh, so for me, it starts at 8 a.m. The park run starts at 8 a.m. I get out of bed maybe 7.15, wake up, oh, have a cup of water, have maybe a teaspoon of sugar, jump on the bike, maybe sip a little bit more water, not too much, because I was sloshing in my gut, um, and I'm hydrated from the days before, right? I'm hydrated from the days before, but as soon as the race finishes, I'm sugar in, water in, poof, recovery process activated for sure, um, and I'm peeing a few times before the race, I'm, I know I'm hydrated, and then, I, then boom, we're ready to roll. You know, so a teaspoon, a tablespoon of sugar, maybe half a banana or, you know, a slice of, just some little bit of sugar. Never, ever, ever train fasted. Ever, man. It kills your mood, man. Oh, it's the worst thing. Oh, but, 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 they said, no, fuck it, man. 
If you want my level of emotional state control and productivity and control in daily life, never, ever train fasted. Ever, man. Ever. I would never have a girlfriend who was a faster trainer because I don't want to deal with the mood swings later in the day. Right? Women are moody enough. This is the feminine flaw. That's okay, but making it worse than it has to be? It's like on a hot summer's day, why would you make it even worse with adding in mosquitoes? You know? Like, why? Like, just, you know, why? Why make it harder for your life and those around you by faster training? It's stupid. And it teaches your body to become a fat storer because you're forcing it into a famine state. By putting some sugar in first thing, your body's like, your thyroid, most important, is like, oh, we can decrease TSH level, thyroid stimulating hormone, we can decrease that, we can uptake, regulate, increase T3, T4, we can burn fat, we can just, we can be lean ass. Because we got the sugar coming all the time. We have to worry about that. That's why people who fast or do restriction diets or carb or keto restriction, they always rebound. They lose a bit of weight, lose muscle, you know, lose lean tissue, and then they rebound and blow out and get all this puffy blah look. And their performance sucks and their mood sucks the whole time as well. They feel sluggish and constipated. Like, duh, duh, duh. I just feel faffy. If you want to feel faffy, faster train. <laughs> oh, man. I don't need stimulants. Just talk, get me talking about fasted training. Right? And I just prattle along for 10 hours about that one. Next one is, um, let's talk about stimulants. You know, I don't recommend using stimulants in running races. Unless you maybe have some asthma or some breathing issues. They can help open up the airway for sure. You know, uh, For me, they can definitely help. But I wouldn't recommend using them in the hot weather. Uh, I would say only use stimulants if you have some sort of asthma or allergy. Otherwise, don't use stims. You know, they, you don't need them. You can use music. But for me, stimulants are the powerful ones because they can open up your lungs. That's what I notice as stims. Like, they help me just breathe better. So I live with four cats, and this is how it is, and, like, it's cool. But stimulants definitely give me a huge performance advantage edge because they open up my airways. If you don't have any allergies, etc., then don't waste your time with stimulants. If you suffer from anxiety, excess anxiety, or whatever, don't use stimulants, okay? If you have... Any overthinking processes or whatever, you don't need stims because they're just going to exacerbate that that racy mind as it is. Okay, so stay away. And if you do use stims, don't use them every day. So you can get some recovery going on there. So I'd say stims, you know, for people with breathing issues, they're definitely going to be effective um, to be deployed. But again, in the smallest dose possible, smallest dose possible. Otherwise, like how many injuries have I seen of people just taking way too much stims? The pain gets to push down, and they just, then they bust an ACL, or they bust an Achilles tendon, because they're just like, yeah, man, let's go, let's go. So you, you don't use stimulants for, for motivation. Only use stimulants for breathing e- efficacy, okay? Enhance your open airways. Otherwise, if you want drive, just use music or a personal goal here, or a personal reminder in your head. Because otherwise, stims is like, you're just thrashing your adrenals for, for, not, for no gain. It's just pointless in my opinion. And again, smallest dose possible. Smallest dose you need. Less is more when it comes to stims because they definitely decrease your recovery rate because you can't sleep as much that night or you can't, after the race, just lay down and chill out because you're like, you're hyper and you don't need to be hyper. Right? Be hyper in the race. You can do that mentally via just music in some situations if it's safe to do so and just your personal mood state and getting enough sleep. You know, If you're too tired, you're like, oh, so tired 
Oh, just can't be fine. Stay in bed, man. Stay in bed. If you're that tired, you're like, oh, I need some drugs to wake up. I'm so tired. You need rest. Do not train. Do not run. You're like, oh, that's me every single day. If I didn't take stims, I wouldn't be able to run. Then you're really, your performance is going to suck, man. Your performance is going to suck compared to if you use stims on the occasional time or when you wanted to enhance your breathing. If you're using stimulants for energy, man, that's really, that's credit card metabolism right there. You're going to be doing yourself some damage. That's not good at all. I never, if I'm tired, I never, ever, ever use stimulants, right? Exception would be an emergency situation where you've got to stay up for some reason, okay? But otherwise, no. Because all you're doing, you know, if you do it a few times, yeah, okay. But if you do it using stimulants to avoid sleeping and resting, you're, just, you're abusing your body. You're abusing your body, okay? Simple. You have to agree with me, but you're wrong. But everyone uses stimulants to prevent fatigue. Just because it's mass doesn't mean it's right. Uh, next one's going to be hydration. You want to be pissing clear the night before, you want to be pissing clear during the night of, and pissing clear in the morning. And that's going to give you an enhanced blood volume. Your blood plasma is going to be better. Your red blood cells can slosh around better. Your capillaries can open up. Just going to, everything's going to work better. Your lungs are going to be more hydrated. Every tissue in the body needs water. So, that, so when you have sufficient water, which will be indicated by clear urine, then your hydration deployment of the cells is going to be so greatly enhanced. Okay, So greatly enhanced. Uh, so that's hydration. Drink enough water so you're peeing clear between the hours. What else are we going to go? Um, and if you're going to take water in during a race, you should take water in during training. Right? Let's say you're training for a marathon or whatever. You know, have, do laps around the block and have somewhere where you drink water so your muscles, your digestive muscles, know what it feels like to have water sloshing around in the marathon, etc. Otherwise, you might get a stitch if you never do it in training. Your muscles go, hey, what's this? We're used to running, but not with food and water in our belly. So if you want to train that digestive running ability, then it's good to have a big meal and go and run on that. And be like, oh my God, you know, just jog around, just feel that would condition those, those muscles that carry all the tissue around, make them stronger. So when it comes to marathon time or ultra marathon time, you have little gut issues because your stomach muscles are stronger from being trained to do that. Another cause of stomach issues is painkillers. Paracetamol, tramadol, maybe even aspirin, things like that. Now, ibuprofen. Uh, if you need painkillers, you should not be running, because that means you have an injury, okay? And you are masking the pain signals from your body to push through that potential injury, which is going to get worse. Oh, but Harley, I, I take ibuprofen every day because my knees hurt. You need time off, man. Oh, I can't do that because I'm going to get fat. Well, you need to eat like I'm eating, low fat, high carb, all right? treat your body right you know so painkillers I, I, I don't think painkillers have a place in running I know they're, they're they're so 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 common and they're abused I've used them before as an experiment and I'm like yeah you can definitely run harder but pain like I can deal with pain you know I, I don't like painkillers because I like to feel pain like pain lets me know I'm working hard and injury pain lets me know I need to stop I need to stop because my body's I've got an injury coming here and I'm, my body's going to snap, go snap city if I don't stop now. So I love pain in training. It lets me know what I'm doing right and lets me know what I'm doing wrong. Masking pain as a runner, very, very bad idea. Now, as an MMA fighter, for sure, painkillers, 
you're about painkillers, you can't do much because when you're doing shin checks and punching and getting, you know, painkillers is part and parcel. But as a runner, pain's good, man. Like, pain's your friend. You know, it's like it's, it's raw, it's real. You know, it's just running, man. We're just running. We don't need painkillers for running. If you do, you're abusing yourself, okay? Now, I know I'll lose people by saying that, but I'd rather hear, I'm here to help people. I'm not here to enable you or enable your bad habits, man. Like, that's not going to do anything for anyone, is it? That's about it. Um, Post-race analysis, look at where you can get marginal gains. You know, so, okay, so I could have done a bit of a warm-up or, you know, I was too hot in that outfit. I could wear better, less clothes next time. You want to wear the minimal clothes possible. Minimum clothes possible, right? If it's, obviously, it's, you also want to dress, you know, maybe you're going to be up to a snowy mountain. You know, what if you sprain an ankle? You know, you're up there with no warm clothing or so. You've got to be, you know, depends where you are. Um, common sense stuff, but you know. so yeah, clothing's really important. But less is less po- less clothing possible, so you can stay cool. Because when, you, when you're running hard, you're gonna warm up real quick. Um, so maybe in a certain situation, you could have some layers you can just ditch off if it's an ultra marathon. You can just get some op shop stuff and ditch it off and put it on a chair or something. You know, someone else can use it. Just, just always thinking laterally. You always think laterally. Don't just follow the rules. Like if you follow the rules in life. The NPC rules, then you will live in, you're an NPC person. Understand the rules, acknowledge them. If you don't like the rules, or if they don't sound logical, look for other alternative paths. Laterally think, you know, laterally think. Example is, I was getting black toenails, so I cut the tip off my shoes, and I cut my socks, and you know what? The black toenails, bye-bye, never coming back again, right? Now, if you go to a shoe shop and say, oh, I've got problems with hammer toe, or blah, 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 Oh, well, you need to go see an ortho- orthodontist and ortho- <laughs> a podiatrist and get orthotics and all this stuff, you know. You need to fix your teeth to fix your shoes. Um, you know, so people just want to make a lot of coin off you. you know? and we all got to make money, but do we have to scam people to make a living? I don't believe we do. So, laterally thinking. Now, people, oh, I wouldn't wear shoes. The toes cut off. People think you're weird. It's like, people think I'm weird already. <laughs> my shoe cap doesn't matter. It'd make a difference. But huge, these shoes are feel fantastic now. Love these Brooks Green Silence. Great racing flat. Great for uphill TTs. Beautiful shoe. Had them for seven plus years. So, you know, laterally think, man. I don't follow the rules. I'm aware of the rules and I make my own if it's going to be better for myself and people around me. Um, there you go. That's the wrap up. If you've got any questions down below. Pacing. Let's talk about pacing. That's an important one. Pacing in a 10K, I like to go by minutes per K or minutes per mile. And then uh, you can go from there. Uh, this computer's turned off then. I don't we don't still got the file. But yeah, pacing, minutes per mile, minutes per K on the flat. Now, if you're doing an uphill, downhill stuff, then you've got to learn how to go by feel. And that's just going to come with time. Uh, I would do recommend just easing into the first K. The first, you want a negative split, ideally, which is going to be hard to do if you're going uphill the first part and then downhill the last part. But generally, a negative split means the first 5K is slower than the last 5K. The first half marathon is slower than the last part of the marathon. You know, it's the last, last half. So negative split just means you pace it really well and you want to have like a, you know, just a few percent difference. But if you've gone out really fast, then your times fade, you went out too hard, didn't drink enough, didn't eat enough carbohydrate, etc., etc., etc. But hey, the more races you do, the more experience you get. And that's another thing. When you're not using stimulants, you can really feel the race going on, all right? So I recommend 95% of your races, no stimulants. 
so you can really feel the atmosphere and just be super, super aware of what's going on around you. you know? And then that's the best way to learn, that full awareness. Um, you got any other questions, let us down below. If you want more information, join the duranod.com coaching group at duranod.com. We answer all the questions in the Facebook group there. Incredible group of people. No trolls. Just legit. Any questions you want. Any questions you want. Nothing's too personal private. We'll get it all done there. Um, meet some cool people. But yeah, that's about it. Uh, you know, that's about it. Uh, we talk about body weight. I mean, body weight is obviously very important, but nothing beats the head, really. Like, you can have the, the all the conditions great, but if your mindset is like, oh, I'm just shit, I can't do this, I've not enough training, blah, 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 my wife kisses me off, I hate my husband, my kids are annoying, blah, 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 blah. If you're up here in your head, you're going to lose, you won't be able to breathe as much, and your hemoglobin won't have that full deployment going on there. So the mental state, when I'm thinking in the running race, I'm just thinking, I'm pretending like I'm a doped up Kenyan, racing for potatoes, and my family, I'm not going to, I'm not going to get food if I don't win today. If I don't win today, I don't eat. That's the reality for a lot of Kenyans out there. You know, that's why the drug is just, in pro running is just so, so, you know, so there. So essential at the top, because if you don't dope, you won't cope, you get smashed by someone else who's going to the gear. So EPO, cortisones, you know, it's just part and, part and parcel. Anabolic steroids, low dose, it's just part and parcel of elite running. So I pretend I'm one of those runners. I try to imagine what it would feel like. I've got no clue, because, you know, I'm loaded in terms of, of that. Um... You know, so, but I try and put myself as how they would feel. What would it feel like to know if I don't win the race today, I don't eat. My teenage daughter has to do prostitution to pay a school fees. I have to win today. You know, so I pretend I'm on the EPO and I pretend I'm on, you know, and get in that state. You know, and that just man, that makes a huge difference. My friends, that is the drug right there. The imagination, all right, the imagination. That's the most powerful drug you'll ever be able to use. And you combine that with EPO, and then boom, you set more records. So that's the reality there. Um, you know, just pretend that you're one of these doped-up runners that has to win, or they donate, or their family member has to do drug running or prostitution or blah 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 blah. Because that's the truth, man. That's the reality. A lot of these runners, if they don't win, they don't eat. Kenya, Uganda, Rwanda. That's just how it. Uh, uh, it it's just how it is, man. In Africa's etc. You know, and then that level goes up, and then to to beat to beat the guy on EPO or go on EPO, you have to use EPO as well. You know, assuming that they're equally talented as you. That's that's just how much those drugs make a difference. Lastly, we talk about hemoglobin. Always get your hemoglobin tested every month or so. If you're a regular runner, I would recommend doing blood tests every month. Hemoglobin, iron stores, ferritin levels. Get your hormones, your testosterone, your estrogen checked. Obviously, if you're a woman with an ovulation cycle, that's going to vary a lot. So but maybe try and do it on you know, day one of your period or day 14, etc., just so you can sort of have some variable you can keep in control. If you're on birth control as a woman, your performance aren't going to be as good because your testosterone is going to be lower and that's going to affect your red blood cell count. And so there's things to consider as well. But then at the same time, the contraceptive pill can prevent you having a period on race day, which can be a performance enhancer. So it's, you get benefits there, but you get, want to get benefits here and, and vice versa. Um, that's, an old, that's another topic. What else we'll talk about? So that's, that's almost about it. Sleep. It doesn't matter if you miss a night's sleep, if you're a bit restless and a bit nervous. Don't worry about it, right? Um, if you don't have a good night's sleep, that's not that important. It's the, it's the days before, like the week before, the months before, the weeks before that matters, okay? The sleep deficit takes, you know, 
can really creep up on you. So if you toss and turn the night before, don't let that as an excuse. All right? When you when you're on the when you're on the start line, when you're halfway through, whatever, no excuses allowed. The only excuses you're allowed to have is there's a crocodile up ahead. If I keep running, it's going to eat me. Or I can my knees cranking, man. I have to stop. Then you stop. Okay. Otherwise, self doubt. Kick it to the curb. Keep on running. And again, if you're laying in bed that night, I can't sleep. Oh, the neighbors, the dogs. Flip it over and pretend you are that African runner, the Kenyan runner, who's worried about getting busted for drugs. You know, maybe they're going to knock on the door first thing in the morning for the New York Marathon. Knock, knock, knock. Shit. Or test positive. You know, that's why they look so stressed a lot of them in the, in the press. Oh, shit, man. Like, across the line, they'd be like, shit, I've won. Well, how will I get caught now? You know, think, pretend you're one of them. Yeah, man, that, that must be really, that be, must be hard to sleep, you know, because of the stress, man. And it can be, because they get popped any moment. Because um, nobody cares about them, yeah, until they get the money and see you later, and then they kick them aside and get someone else on. It's cutthroat ads at, at the elite top level like that. Cutthroat ads. And if anyone tells you otherwise, they don't have no clue, well, they know, but they're bullshitting you. So just relax, put things in context, change your perception, shift your procedure, and you will have an enhanced running experience naturally. Uh, and you get all these, you can get so many benefits before you start looking at PEDs, etc. Okay, that's another video for another topic. But I see people every running race, like even the guy yesterday, uh, put in a great run, caught me in that last K, and I didn't even hear him coming. But he's only two seconds behind me, right? Two seconds behind me in a 5K. That's, you know, and I had a massive gap. I sort of eased up a little bit, um, but uh, shouldn't have. But yeah, he almost caught me. Right? I did kick a little bit in the last few hundred meters so if I didn't kick I didn't know I just kicked for you know I thought come on man get, get your value as Harley so if I didn't kick he would have come around me because uh, he closed the gap really really well he did a great job uh, he would have won yesterday if he was wearing a singlet and better shoes and better shorts he had some ASICs on that were sort of heavy and cumbersome he had a t-shirt on and longer shorts and I said to him man he's, you did a good effort like if you had better clothing on you would have beat me man you would have beat me so that's I, just, I had a singlet on super short shorts had the alpha flies, so I had every advantage I had fashion-wise, and that two seconds, what was the difference between, you know, winning the gold medal park run and eating <laughs> and not? So that's just the reality there. So always go for the marginal gains. And uh, for me, it's just fun, man. It's like, why why make something harder than it has to be, you know? Like, running's hard enough. When you go full gas, full tilt, that's hard enough. Why make it harder, man? Like, yeah, like, it's just... When you make things too hard, you don't make them sustainable, and then you quit. You know? only thing you don't want to be hard on yourself, ever. You want to be hard on self-doubt, right? Not hard on you, hard on self-doubt. When self-doubt's like, nye, 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 go hard on self-doubt. Otherwise, you let self-doubt control your life versus controlling self-doubt. It's just your choice in the moment. That's the rant. That's the ramble. Got any questions? Let us know below. That's why I can run so fast at my age on jackal training because I look for the marginal gains and everyone who takes these opportunities up oh, cracks it I remember Freely would do like a 30 minute 5k back in the day and now she, then she's running a, a 1950 you know just simple little things so it's uh, and, and 1950 is like not many women in the world can run 1950 like it's, it's pretty hard like if I went out in the street today and said hey any woman out here can run a sub 20 minute 5k on the road not on the on the the treadmill that doesn't count because you got the cushion and false speeds etc I mean on the road or track a sub 20 minute 5k not many women in the world can do that obviously it's like you know very far away from you know world record EPO times 
um, that's fine. But it's very, very rare to find a woman who can run 20 minute sub K, a uh, sub 20 minute 5K. Same way, it's hard to find a man who can run a sub 17 minute or a sub 18 minute 5K. It's also equally, equally rare. Again, it's not very fast compared to the EPO times, but uh, in general fitness world, it's quite impressive. Not many people can run a sub 20 minute 5K. You know? How many people do you know who can run, men or women, 20 year olds who can run a sub 20 minute 5K? I mean, you might be a collegiate track athlete and go, man, everyone can at my school. But not everyone can at, your, can at your school, just the runners who can do that. Anyway, that's the video. Thanks for watching.